exclusive live interviews. People, I think, have got that hunger back for hockey. Game highlights. Jets score! Jordan Everly set up by Taylor Hall! Expert analysis and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Live. Brought to you by the Terry Peranich Real Estate Team. Edmonton's number one real estate resource. Now... From the Cabela's Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers on Radio. Oilers Radio. 630 Shed. It is Perry and Peary with the goals for the Anaheim Ducks. Nail Yakupov, the only reply for the Edmonton Oilers. And the Ducks win again at Rexall Place, taking down Edmonton 2-1. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It is 9.58 from the Terry Peranich Overtime Open Line program. Reed Wilkins and Rob Brown. This is in the Cabela's Broadcast Center as uh, the Oilers press in the third period. Certainly a couple calls go against them that didn't help, and they wind up dropping another one on home ice. Haven't been doing well on uh, home ice over the last month and a half or so. We want to hear from you, 780-496-0063. You can also text us to 630-630. Right now into the Oilers dressing room for GCL Diesel. For all things diesel, here is Matt Hendricks. In terms of officiating, you know I mean? Yeah, I'm not cost you any money here. But right, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not one to talk about um, calls that are made or aren't made on the ice. Um, facts are facts. They make calls that maybe shouldn't be calls. They miss calls that should have been calls. That happens in every hockey game. But it's just been kind of seem, seemingly bad luck for us lately, the timing of them. Um, you know, the, the Arizona game, we're pushing hard at, towards the end of the game. And, you know, there's an icing that doesn't get called, and it should have been called. Um, tonight, that offside wasn't offside. And, you know, not to point fingers, it's, it's a, they have a tough job, hardest job in, in sports. Um, but it's the timing of it. You know, we've got arguably our best player carrying the puck on a turnover inside their zone. Under a minute to go in the game, we're down by a goal. You couldn't ask for a better situation, and the whistle blows. So it's, uh, it's frustrating, but it happens to every team. So we, we try to talk, it, talk, to it like, talk about it amongst ourselves like that. With uh, you got two home games left to go, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you still have a chance to win 20 games at home for the first time since the team was in Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final. Okay, I wasn't aware of that. And Vancouver, two, t- you know, last game in here right. was Calgary, which is Calgary, right? Right. Is that a reasonable goal you guys should? Have? Yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring that up now in, in our room. Um, that is something that. That's attainable for us. You know, we don't have a lot of things that are attainable right now, so that's something that we can continue to push towards. You know, this is a time of year where we want to we want to continue to grow our game, but it's hard to find motivation, motivation and that you know reasons. So that's a that's a good idea. Um, that would be nice for us because our fans have been very supportive here all season, and we'd like to uh, I'd like to go out on a little bit of a high f- for them. Matt, you guys had a lot of chances in the third, and it really seemed like the PK maybe helped you guys get right. some momentum. Yeah, I th- you know, I thought all penalty killers did great. Um, number one was Cam, though. He uh, made some big saves for us. And uh, kind of bad timing again for our penalties to, to bunch them together there late in the third period. But at the end of the day, we killed them off and gave ourselves a chance to get back in, in that hockey game. Great. That's uh, Matt Hendricks. Thank you very much, Brendan. Brendan Ulrich working the Oilers dressing room tonight. They fall 2-1 to the Anaheim Ducks. The three stars this evening, John Gibson, goaltender for the Ducks. The first star, Taylor Hall. The second star tonight, he wound up with an assist, Neil Yakupov, 
who, of course, his uh, trade request story, very big today. He got his seventh of the season to be the third star, our fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Try the auction advantage. We have the selection. You set the price. Check out maauctions.com, and we're going to give that to Oilers goaltender Cam Talbot, who I thought was pretty good again tonight. Uh, 23 saves on 25 shots, probably his best work in the third period, including a couple good saves when the Ducks had a power play. Anaheim in this game, a two-man advantage for a minute 13 in the third period. They have the number one power play in the NHL, and the Oilers were able to kill that off. But as you heard Patrick Maroon talk about, Anaheim, a team very good at taking away space through the neutral zone, Gave the Oilers uh, problems in that area when they did advance the puck, often couldn't get it in clean and often couldn't get uh, set up very well five on five, though they did have good zone time and they did apply pressure in extended periods throughout this game, but only that one chance to uh, find the back of the net. Taylor Hall hit a goal post in the second period and it adds up to the Ducks going 4-0-1 against the Oilers this season. The Ducks are coached by Bruce Boudreaux. His comments for Challenge Insurance Group. Challenge creates opportunity. We provide solutions. Oilers find some late life in this third period, but your guys are able to fend off that late push. What did you think of tonight's win? Well, I thought we were resilient, but I mean, uh, we were pretty sloppy tonight and we looked a little tired and I think it was uh, it was a good win to have for us at the end of the road trip, allowing only one goal. But, I mean, they missed some great opportunities, but Gibby was, I think, the difference in the game. And you talk about those great opportunities, the five-on-three is something that comes to mind. Well, yeah, I mean, but that's that's the first uh, sign where I could see we were a little tired. We weren't making good decisions, and our power play has been so good recently. And, and today, we I don't know if we got a shot on goal in the power play. And you talked about John Gibson. He comes in after a few days' rest. But him and Freddie Anderson, you know that you have that confidence that they're going to be able to make these game-changing saves. Yeah, I mean, either one that's in, they've won us games. Uh, the game in, in Ottawa, Freddie stops a penalty shot, and then he stops a breakaway in overtime. Uh, Gibby made some 10-bell saves, uh, especially when we needed them to be made. And with the game-winning goal tonight, Brandon Peary, four points in three games. Do you sense him starting to just get more comfortable with this team? Well, I hope so. I mean, he made some good plays. The, the thing I like about him is, is he knocked one of their guys off the puck and scored the goal, and that's uh, what we're going to need when, when playoff time comes. And you guys end this road trip with the win. You go 3-1-1 one, one through these Canadian cities. Do you feel as though the momentum is going in the right way towards the playoffs? Well, if you look at our goals against, which is to me is the defining thing for us, and we had... Uh, we went 6-3-1 and one in the last three games, so I mean, uh, it's or we went 4-6-3-1 and one in the last four, so we're getting down to where we, we were doing it at, you know, 20 games ago and 15 games ago. Thanks so much, Bruce. Okay. All right, Scott Johnson working in the Ducks dressing room tonight. They have just been on an incredible roll. Started the season slowly and then have really put it together. Anaheim now over their last 30 games. 22 5 and 3. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown with you. You can text 63630, the phone number 780 496 0063. You know, Rob, I had the, the live interview with Patrick Maroon after the game. He's been blunt. There's no doubt about it. Uh, even the first question he was asked after a win in San Jose, he said, Yeah, great. We were terrible in the first period. He actually thought that, that he, he said, You know what? We played well tonight. Uh, we worked hard. And I said, What specifically? Does your former team, the Ducks, do? He said it's it's neutral zone play is a big part of it. Oh, I agree. I, I thought first of all, I thought the others did play well. Yeah, they they made two uh, glaring mistakes. Uh, unfortunately, it was Clendenning that did both of them, and eventually didn't see the ice after, I believe, the second one. 
but Anaheim is a team that knows how to win hockey games. They're a team that's able to shut down. No, they they leaked a little bit today. The Oilers had a couple chances. Gibson was good. The Oilers missed on some chances and helped out Gibson. But the neutral zone, Anaheim's very smart in the neutral zone. A, of getting pucks in deep offensively, and B, clogging it up and not allowing the Oilers a lot of freedom to move in the neutral zone. So uh, Anaheim is, has got a very, very good hockey club. And they are very comfortable playing in the one-goal hockey games, as we saw again tonight. And they're tough to beat because defensively they're sound. 2-1 is the final for Anaheim. We'll start the text here with a note from Candid Cal. He says, hi, Reed and Rob. Just want to make a comment on the officiating. It's the worst that I've seen. I watch a lot of hockey, and after every game, I remark about how bad the officiating has been. And tonight the Oilers score a goal late in the third, have all the momentum going their way, and the ref makes a no-brainer call on Maroon. Man, it's getting harder to watch this great game of ours when it's being taken away by such bad officiating. Well, Rob, I want to preface something here, because you and I often talk about this off-air too, about how we're going to approach stuff. I'll speak for you if I can. (laughs) Neither Rob nor I believe the Oilers are in 29th place because of officiating. But there are times when it's a glaring momentum-affecting call where you and I, as guys who talk about the game, feel like we have to address it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, both ways. Not not always the Oilers are the ones being affected. Uh, Tonight, and it's funny, and I talked to Bob right after the game about this. From the naked eye, at real speed, I thought it was a good call. Uh, uh, the maroon call. I, I just saw the, how the player went into the boards. He did the splits. He went, his head banged off the, uh, the boards. It, it looked pretty cut and dried. And when everyone's booing, I'm like, okay, did I miss something? Because my angle may not have been that good. Watching the replay, I'm like, oh, actually, Maroon did a very good job getting his shoulder on the shoulder. He guided him. He didn't hit him. And, yeah, uh, it, it should not have made a call. Now, in the ref's defense on that one, the way that the player went into the, the boards, it, it looked worse than it was. The one that really stands out and it may have affected the game more so was the offside call with seven point whatever seconds yeah. left in the game because it, it was clearly onside by, I mean, eight inches to a foot. Like it wasn't even close to being out. It wasn't one where it's toeing the line or there's someone partially blocking the view. That one was just a blown call. And the puck got turned over and Taylor Hall was going in with numbers because they had caught Anaheim at that point were leaving the zone. They had numbers. They were going to get a scoring chance. Would they have scored? I don't know. But they were going to get a goal scoring chance and they lost momentum because now the faceoff's outside. The game is over. So that was the one that was a mistake and a huge mistake made by a linesman who was only about 8 to 10 feet away. Yeah, I mean, one texter says, Chad, I'm curious why the linesman wouldn't let a close offside call go at that point knowing it can be challenged. Uh, Chad, I I just don't think officials should work the game saying, oh, well, if I screw up, it'll be challenged. I don't think you want them thinking that. I think you just want them to make the call with the naked eye. He missed it. And you're right, it wasn't close. Look, the Oilers were already down 2-1. It was a long shot to win, but you're right, Rob. It took away a bit of an offensive chance there. 780-496-0063. We will go to Austin on the phone line. Austin, thanks a lot for calling. Hello, how's it going tonight? Doing well. Well, as an Oilers fan, it's about time to look to the draft as usual. And when we come draft time, what do you think our first-round draft pick and Yakpaw can fetch? Do you think well, I can get a bona fide number one? Austin, I, I, don't, I don't know where the draft pick is going to be. That's the only problem. I mean, if the, if the lottery were held today, their second last, they'd pick anywhere between first and fifth. And if you're throwing Yakupov into a trade, you're really not throwing much in. Rob? Yeah, I agree. Right now, Yakupov's not getting you anything in return. 
So you're more or less trading the whatever your pick is away for a player. And if the Oilers get end up getting first overall, well, that's worth quite a bit because uh, Matthews, from everything we've heard and everything that they talk about, is going to be a great player in this league. If the Oilers pick in fifth, it's not going to get you near as much coming back. So until the Oilers find out what they're picking, uh, I don't know if you can really say what they would trade away. And, and if they get first pick overall, do they trade that away? Right. I, I don't know if they would. Well, he was asking if he gets you a number one defenseman. I mean, that's still tough because like Rob and I always say, there are 15, 16 guys who are those true defensemen who are above average or excellent at every part of the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys in the NHL that are really good at one or two things. But the, the, the Subans, the Dowdies of the world, they can shoot, they can skate, they can pass, they can play yep. physical, and they can defend well, well positionally. Well, then I, I, I'm going to care. If he's looking for a true number one, then no. I don't think the number one pick overall gets you a true number one defenseman because it's much easier to find a number one forward than it is to find a number one defenseman. So I don't think you get one of the best defensemen in the league if you trade away the first pick overall. Our adjustment of the game is courtesy Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better. With help from your chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. I'm going to nominate an adjustment of the game. Okay. I, I thought they moved the puck quicker on the power play. I thought they, they were more snappy with the puck. Yeah, I, I was going to say when they paired their lines down and their defensemen down in the third period, they started going with three lines and only five defensemen in the third, and then they started getting a little bit more uh, momentum. Although, I must admit, I thought the Oilers' third and fourth lines tonight were good. I thought the the, the Lander line uh, had a number of chances. Uh, Cracknell had a couple of good opportunities out there. Hendricks had opportunities. And then the Cassian line, one of the prettiest plays of the entire game was Cassian coming up through the middle, hitting... Uh, Letestu with a pass and Letestu going back door to Cassian. A great save by Gibson. But the third and fourth line tonight needed to step up against a deep Anaheim team. I believe they did that. Uh, a couple people asking why the offside at the end of the game wasn't reviewed. You can't review offsides that are called. You can only ask for a review if you have been scored on and you think a team was offside when they brought the puck into the zone. I mean, somebody said, couldn't they have reviewed it and moved the face-off in? No, that, that situation is absolutely 100% non-reviewable, and, so, and it should be, quite yep, frankly. I, I mean, agree. Because it's, it's a what-if. So. I mean, even if, they, I mean, even if you're allowed to do that and get the face-off on the inside, it still would not have it's been not as, near good as, as, as good yeah. as having Taylor Hall skating full speed on a four-on-two going towards the net. So it, it was just a horrible break. And... Unfortunately for the Oilers, they've had a few of those as of late. Ducks win 2-1. Oilers head coach Todd McClellan, courtesy of GCL Diesel, for all things diesel. I'm not sure how to phrase this, but do you have a few calls coming next year? Um, I'm not sure how to phrase it on the reply. Uh, <laughs> well, it's just, you know, playoffs are coming. They're going to have to be sharp heading in. Um, when you're on the outside looking in from where we are, it's hard to uh, to whine and bitch, so I'll leave it at that. Jack Paul had a busy last couple of days. How did I think Yak played tonight? That got a little better as the night went on. I think the day affected him. I think uh, some of the response from the fans affected him. And, uh, you know, once he, he got into the game, he played a little bit better as the night went on. You haven't totally articulated with this all-star, uh, rather the trade deadline plan uh, goals or whatever it is, but I noticed the uh, uh, the last two home games, 
if you won them both, you'd have 20 wins, which is this team hasn't accomplished that one. This team hasn't accomplished since uh, they were in the Stanley Cup final. Well, there was. You know, it was, there was 18 games left, I believe, when, when the trade deadline came. And we looked at those 18 games, and, and we, we felt we needed to give the players something they could hang their hat on. And we, were, we weren't out at that point, uh, but it wasn't looking real good. And uh, we needed to, to approach things where we started over in a number of different areas. Um, a lot of times players will roll their eyes and go, yeah, right, we played the, you know, the beginning of the year. And, but this group accepted that, and they played pretty well towards it. Um, the 20 wins as a, as a team or an organization this year wasn't one of them, but I don't think there's any reason why it can't be. Um, you know, if we're at 18 right now, we've got the two left. That, that should certainly be a goal of ours. thought we gave everything we had tonight uh, to, to get to, to 19. We had a, a, a good game. You don't like to, uh, you know, throw out a lot of accolades when you lose because it's still the name of the game is winning and, and uh, sending the fans home happy that way. But uh, I thought tonight's game was a very competitive one on our behalf against a good team. I thought we had enough chances and looks around the net to, to win the game. Um, I didn't think we gave up a lot. I thought our special teams, uh, especially the penalty kill part against the number one power play in the league was good. So there was a lot of things that I was pleased with as a coach, uh, but it does come down to the outcome, and, and we didn't get what we wanted. Did you say something like, uh, as a goal, to go 50-50 on the way home? Or, um... Yeah, we, we talked about uh, 18 games and where we, we could be at uh, record-wise. We talked about power play, penalty kill. We talked about face-offs. We talked about individual numbers. Uh, we talked about plus-minus. And, you know, that's why tonight's, you know, pl that's why plus-minus is a bad stat, really. Like, uh, Leon's line takes it on the chin for a bad pinch and a turnover, and uh, you're minus two just like that. And you really don't have anything to do with the play, so... Um, but we do. We did talk about that. Still there to be achieved. Yeah, there is for individuals and uh, and team-wise, power play and penalty kill uh, wins. We can still get there. We can get to where we want it to go. But we we looked at at playing 500. Um, um, you know, our road play, our road record's actually been better than I may have anticipated based on the on the first three quarters of the season. Um, our home, rec home record could be a little bit better. Polish that up, and I think that's probably where you're going. Did Gibson show you why you should be resulting? Yep, he did. Made some good saves, didn't he? Fought through traffic. He looked big and calm, and and uh, we had some good scoring chances. Like We really had some good chances. I'm not sure that team's given up that much in a long time, and their goaltender played well. It's the kind of team that used to push you guys out of games, the LA, so many times. It's not happening. Maybe you're not winning them all, but you're not being pushed. No, we're, we're making strides. Um, players feel a little more comfortable with some of the changes that Peter's made already. Um, it's, it's more a scrappy pack mentality than individual play, which is important. And, um, you know, you go San Jose, LA, Anaheim, uh, three in a row, you get one and you push the other two teams to the brink, you you can't get caught up too much in that because I didn't think the emotional level of tonight's game was would be the same as if uh, we happen to be meeting them in the first round in two weeks, and that happens. It's natural. It happens at this time of the year. What are you going to do with this next two weeks? I mean, there's like six and five and three. 
days between Yeah, we'll take uh, tomorrow. We're taking a day off on uh, today's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We're going to work out as a team. We're coming into the gym and and we're going to get a workout. And that may be a, um, <coughs> a bit of a tactics day as well where we'll spend some time video-wise. But they will get some rest. Um, 19 games in 34 days, I think it is, is without having any two-day break. It's a tough run for us. Um, and then after that, we'll work on the, our foundation. Um, we'll prepare for Calgary, we'll prepare for Vancouver, but a lot more will be training camp oriented, reminding them, you know, going back and of the little details about what we do on entries, what we do on forecheck, uh, how we want to play in the ozone, face-off coverages. We still have some players here that are fairly new to our team and haven't had a lot of practice time. They're still asking questions on the bench, but the schedule's the way it's been laid out, it's been tough. Have you ever had a, I was ask you, have you ever had a season where you had a schedule that was set up so oddly where it took such a long time off, you know, right at the break of the Here's what I can tell you, that there's 30 coaches in the league, everybody hates their schedule. Um, that's just natural, and you can go back to last year and everybody hated theirs as well. So it's not a perfect science. Um, you know, this year... Our breaks didn't come at ideal times. And we had the Olympic break when everybody else had the All-Star break. We have three games in 14 days, I think, or 15 days now, which isn't ideal. You'd like to spread them out a little bit more. Um, last year in San Jose, we started 16 of 21 on the road. And no one wanted that, but that's just how it, how it comes out of the computer and you, you play. Thank you. Good night. All right. That is head coach Todd McClellan. His Oilers lose tonight 2-1 to the Anaheim Ducks. A whole bunch more to get to, more post-game reaction. Text to 630-630. We've got a couple of guys on hold, 780-496-0063. We're looking for someone to finish the play. If you'd like to call that number right now, overtime open line, courtesy of the Terry Peranich Real Estate Team. Rob and I are in the Cabela's Broadcast Center. Live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, this is the Terry Peranich Team Overtime Open Line. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Kessler against Latestu. Big draw here. Kessler won it. Getzloff loads. Fires. And what a save made by Talbot. Rebound trickled in front. And Reinhardt will skate out the remaining time. Cracknell's on. And the horn goes. All right. That is your save of the game by Cam Talbot for Armor Insurance. Working today to protect your tomorrow. Talbot, good. But Gibson, very good as well. And the Ducks beat the Oilers 2-1. We'll go to Greg on the open line. Greg, thanks for yeah, calling. How's it going? Good. Well, I just gotta I just want to vent a little bit to be honest with you. Um I'm almost at the point right now, uh, with the officiating in the NHL where where I almost don't want to watch it anymore because the blown calls, the missed penalties, the like the offside at the end of the game, it, it's so frustrating. So until the NHL can actually kind of get their crap together, for lack of better words, it, it's it, they need to do something about it because it's it, it's the worst I've seen it in in all the years I've watched hockey, and it, it's absolutely frustrating. So um, I don't know what they can do. I don't I, like the. It, let, me it, it, you, let me ask you a question, Greg. You think they should go back to one referee? Um, I, I I'm not entirely sure because. Then there'll be there'll be a lot more missed calls, but I think that there should be some some consistency on on uh, on what they're calling, what they're not calling, and and that's all I want. I mean, like the the coaches challenge, yeah, like the goaltender interference the other game, which was clearly goaltender interference. We're not going to go there, but um, the coaches challenge I think is 
well, I don't think that's a very good rule anyway, but it's just the consistency. They need to set a precedent, and they need all officiating staff to to be on the same page, and a call is a call is a call. It's not, oh, this call is a call in regular season, this call is a call in the playoffs. Oh, well, we'll let this go in the playoffs, then we'll call it in the regular season. It's got to be consistent, because if it's not consistent, then how can you – and be competitive as like it's it's just so frustrating. I don't even know what to say. So well, I mean, right now, I mean, you're going on about playoffs. I mean, that that hasn't affected the Oilers in a decade, so we don't have to worry about that type of call. The, the, the beginning of every season, these referees they they have a mandate of how to make calls. There is a a consistency that's supposed to be there. They're they're rated. Uh, every game that the referees ref, they are evaluated and they are rated. That's how you find out which referees make the playoffs because the highest rated ones are the ones that move on. Uh, this, the group that, that refs in the National Hockey League right now is the best group of referees in the world. It may not seem like it that night, but go watch a, a, a junior game, go watch a minor pro game, go watch European hockey. It's, it, this is the best you're ever going to see. It just some nights it doesn't seem like that. Tonight was one of those nights. Uh, I, I I don't know what more they can do. I, I, the the top officials, the people that are running the show, they want exactly what you want and exactly what all the fans want. They want consistency from the beginning of the game to the end of the game, from game one through game 82, whether the game's in Edmonton or whether the game's in St. Louis. They want all the right calls being uh, made. There's always going to be human error, just like there's human error when with the players, with the coaches. Uh, I think sometimes there's an arrogance among certain officials, and I think that's the biggest problem in 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 sports is is they get an arrogance where they you can't talk to them. And I think that's a problem. But for the most part, most of the referees are good and they they do their best. The the blown linesman call today very rarely do you see a blown uh, call by a linesman that does happen occasionally. Unfortunately, tonight that affected the game because uh, it, it took away a scoring chance for the others. So I understand your frustration, but it, it could be worse if you go watch a minor league game and you can see what the referees down there are like. All right, Michael is going to finish the play with us after the 10:30 news. The Ducks beat the Oilers 2-1. Terry Peranich, overtime open line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. You're listening to the Terry Peranich Team Overtime Open Line. Now, live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. The Oilers open up their final homestand ever at Rexall Place with a 2-1 loss to the Anaheim Ducks. Perry and Peary scoring for the visitors. Yakupov had the goal for Edmonton. We'll go to the phone lines. We have Michael standing by. Michael, thanks for calling. Hi there. What's on your mind tonight? I just got a question. Do you know if um, we're going to get a different goalie, backup goalie, for next year instead of Francois? Uh, We don't know yet. No. Oh, sorry. That was just my question. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, well, no, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they look for somebody with more experience in the summer. Michael, you've already won 50 bucks to Panda Hut Express. We also want to throw you into the grand prize draw for $1,000 to Integra Tire. Love your ride with Integra Tire at Edmonton, Sherwood Park, and Fort Saskatchewan and Stony Plain. It's a game we call Finish the Play. And that went off Hall's skate and trickled just wide. Hall's got it back behind the net for Drysaddle. Chips it over to Yakupov. Back to Drysaddle. Center pass. Yakupov. All right, goal or no goal? Uh, you got, you got the only goal if I say goal. No, don't say that. that no goal, no goal. <laughs> that went off Hall's skate and trickled just wide. Hall's got it back behind the net for Drysaddle. 
Chips it over to Yakupov. Back to dry settle center pass. Yakupov denied by Gibson. All right, how to listen to Rob Brown. Yakupov's goal was uh, was right off a face-off, so that wasn't it. The one goal means a $50 donation, courtesy of Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world, to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. They donate 50 bucks for every Oilers goal all season long. 2-1 the final tonight. We have Darren on the line. Darren, thank you for calling. Uh, thanks for having me. I uh, I really love your guys' show. It's uh, it's awesome to listen to at uh, the end of these Oilers games, which could be kind of depressing. It's always great to hear you guys, so that's awesome. Thank you. Uh, what I wanted to say is uh, just I was listening to the guy talk about the refing, and wow, do I ever agree with him. But um, but uh, one of you guys asked him a question, and the question was, do you think we should get rid of that extra referee? And oh, my God, yes. Like, seriously, to me, it's the stupidest thing in the world because the players are bigger, they're faster, the rinks are the same size, and having that extra ref in the corner, I just wanted to hear what you guys think about that because uh, they're literally always in the way when we're in their zone. Uh, I, I don't think you're ever going to get rid of them. I think that too much happened behind the play over a number of years, and that's why they put the extra referee in to make sure that those were called. Uh, I, the refs do their best, jo best tr job to try and get out of the way. Sometimes it, it doesn't work, and sometimes, especially in one of the corners, the ref does get in the way at some point, but I honestly don't think they're going to take that away. I think it, it just... Uh, keeps the game safer. I think it keeps the game uh, under better control. And, and I played an era when there was only one ref. And I tell you, you knew when that ref wasn't looking and you got away with an awful lot. So that's why they added the second ref. Darren, thanks a lot for calling. The winning goaltender tonight, John Gibson. Here he is, courtesy of Challenge Insurance Group. Challenge creates opportunity. We provide solutions. Oh, we don't have Gibson. All right, do we have uh, do we have Corey Perry? Do we have Hor do we have Horkoff? We don't have any of the. You duck went stuff. through all three doors, well, and there's nothing behind there's any nothing door behind for you. Behind any door, they're uh, I guess they're not ready to go. This tell let's you, make a deal game didn't go very well for you. Tell you what, uh, we got Darnell Nurse. Then let's hear from uh, Oilers defenseman Darnell Nurse. Well, Darnell, another uh, you know come from behind effort there. You guys generate a lot of chances, but in the end, just not enough to beat a, a top-notch team like the Ducks. Yeah, I think you know, we did a lot of. Really good things there for uh, 60 minutes. Talbs made uh, a lot of big saves when we needed them. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of a lot of chances off our power play penalty kill. Um, went out there and did jobs. So it was uh, a lot of positive things. But uh, at the end of the day, we didn't get the two points. You guys are on the penalty kill there. It seemed like you guys were able to build some momentum off those two big kills, especially the five on three. Yeah, uh, that was big. I think. Uh, you know, just trying to stay tight. The guys, guys were out there talking, and it was big. But uh, I tried to gain a little momentum, got some chances after that. But like I said, wasn't enough. Uh, wasn't enough tonight. I don't want to get you in any trouble, but uh, you know that offside there at the end. I'm sure you don't want to comment too much on it, but clearly it wasn't an offside, and would have led to a good chance for you guys to tie the game. Uh, I can't say much about it. I think everyone, everyone, everyone saw it. So. Uh, yeah, I think uh, you know, it speaks for itself. But uh, like I said, we had chances to score before that, so um, yeah, can't can't uh, live off that. Does it seem like there's, there's just a combination of plays that are going against you guys with the refing the last couple of games? Uh, we can't can't just can't put it on roughing. I think like I said, we get the uh, yeah, opportunities all all time to go out there and uh, you know make make a mark. And I think 
Yeah, we did a lot of good things tonight, but it wasn't, uh, wasn't enough. Darnell, I don't want to lead you down the path with moral victories because we've talked about those before. Those aren't enough. But the last few games, you've played some of the best teams in the league and teams out west, and you've managed to come back and win in San Jose, come back against the Kings and take them to a 2-1 game tonight. Does that show anything at all about the kids, the players in the locker room? Yeah, we're coming down here and playing hard uh, every night for for each other. Obviously, it's coming down here to the end, but uh, we want to come out every night and have impacts and go out there and play hard for each other. And I think it's uh, showing we played a lot of real tough teams, real real good teams, and uh, you know, we got to go out here and make this a, a 60 minute effort every night for uh, these last three games. Read that starting nurse. All right, thanks, Brendan. Oilers lose 2-1 to the Ducks. A uh, couple of quick thoughts here on the uh, penalty kill tonight. The Oilers faced the best power play in the league. They killed off all four-man disadvantages. The penalty killers, the home ice heroes tonight for ATB Financial. Know someone whose quiet hard work makes hockey happen in your community. Nominate them for ATB's Home Ice Hero Award at atb.com slash home ice man. A minute 13, they were down two men and were able to stay in the game. Well, the reason there was a frantic finish tonight was because of the penalty killing. Uh, a, a number of big kills by the penalty killers, uh, none bigger than the five-on-three, and they did a great job out there tonight. I mean, we, I know you talked with Bob at the beginning of the game how Anaheim has the best power play and the best penalty killing in the National Hockey League, so it wasn't the, they were just, weren't just killing off an average PP out there. That was the best that, that you could uh, face, and, and they gave themselves a chance. And I think that everybody takes pride in whatever role they have on the team and there's some guys that are strictly penalty killing type players on this team that did a, a yeoman's job tonight and uh, them as, as well as Talbot got them through that five on three and allowed them to to push at the end and unfortunately they just weren't able to push enough. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Anaheim over Edmonton 2-1. We have Jason on the line. Hey Jason go ahead. Hello. Hey Jason go ahead. Yeah, uh, coming home from the game tonight, and uh, obviously I haven't heard the fans boo at the refs for a long time like that, but one of my questions was consequences for referees, such as um, when Weidman in Calgary bumped into the referee or the linesman, he got, what, 20 games for that. Whatever came out of the referee that foolishly hauled down Yakupov and put him out for a couple months with an injury, what are the ramifications for moves like that on a referee, or is it just um, only the players that get penalized? Well, the the difference in, in, in the Weidman one and the Yakupov one, the, the, the linesman that pulled Yakupov down wasn't doing it out of uh, malice. He wasn't intentionally trying to hurt. He, he's just a guy that was falling down, grabbed whatever was closest to him. Now, I'm sure he felt stupid about it afterwards, and I'm sure he felt bad about it because Yakupov got hurt. And I'm sure there was someone from the league that talked to him about, okay, this is right and this is wrong. But I don't know if punishment goes in there. The one where Weidman, he intentionally went out of his way to, to drill the back of a linesman. I mean, they rescinded the, the suspension to 10 games, and I thought that was a mistake. I think he deserved all 20. Now, they, the, the referees are, are judged. They are rated. They are, uh, everything is scrutinized. And the best referees are the ones... They get to, to, to do the playoffs, which for them is prestige, but also money. You, you get paid more money when you're in the playoffs. So they are, they are looked after, and uh, there's certain referees that uh, at the end of the season, if their ratings aren't high enough, could lose their jobs, and that's where guys from the minors come up. So as far as protecting the refs and protecting the players, I'm sure that it is done equally as the, the league wants to make sure that everybody is in a safe environment 
the Wyman one was stupid, and the Yakupov one was just a bad choice by a linesman. All right, the Oilers fall 2-1 to the Ducks. If you're on hold, stay there. We will get to you. Terry Peranich, Overtime Open Line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. Live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, this is the Terry Peranich Team Overtime Open Line. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, the Ducks with a goal in the first, a goal in the second. The Oilers get one in the third. That was it tonight. Anaheim over Edmonton 2-1. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reid Wilkins. No Japanese Village goal light tonight. The Oilers have to score five in a game for us to turn that on on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Then you can print up a free appetizer coupon to Japanese Village. Three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. All right, we have Daryl standing by on the line. Hey, Daryl, go ahead. Hi there. I was just uh, thinking that over the summer, uh, if they're going to, that they could save money on some of their forwards because they, if they're planning on doing anything there, because they seem to have enough. Uh, well, they definitely have enough talent. If they add more guys uh, in the mid range of expense, uh, you know, like Patrick Maroon, uh, that have, that's worked out so well that I like to call the maroon landing and uh, that they don't need, uh, you know, that, like I said, they can save some money on these guys and uh, save that money for, you know, for a, a defenseman and hopefully won't have to get rid of any of the good guys that we've had here for so long that I'm sure would be probably a little ticked off if they, because they've put up with so much of this garbage for so long. And now the team is finally going to look like, I think they're going to turn around quite a bit next year. So I think they better make the best out of whatever they're going to get out of this draft because uh, they ain't going to be drafting there next year as far as I can see. So. Yeah, thanks, Daryl. I, well, I, th- I think they they got to find some more forwards in the – I mean, just to throw at a guy who was on the other team tonight, kind of in the Chris Stewart mold. In the yeah, I honestly, I don't, I don't know if that's the mold you want. That's a guy that is an underachiever is what Chris Stewart is. Um what they're going to have to do is, is if they're looking for a D-man and they're trading away a forward, then they're going to probably have to fill that spot. Uh, if, say, it's a Jordan Eberle that moves, well, now you've got to find a guy that can do what Jordan Eberle does. Uh, the, the thing that they, they still have, they've got a Pouliot that's still going to come back into the lineup, and he's been a top six guy since he's been here. So there's a guy that's going to fill a spot for you. I think they would like a little more uh, raspiness, a little more edginess, and they can put in their bottom six. I know that they went out and got a Cassian and Cracknell. I'm not sure uh, if either or both will be here come next year. Both of them are unrestricted free agents and are, will need contracts. I think uh, Cracknell has been as advertised. I don't know if it's as good as they need or want. I, I thought he actually had a very good game today. And Cassian has been hit and miss. There's been games he's been very, very good out there. And then there's other ones where you don't notice him. And when you play the style of game that they need Cassian to play, you have to be noticed every night. You don't have to score. If you're on the third and fourth line, they're not looking for you to put up 20 goals, but they're looking for edge every game. And if if they're not going to do it on a consistent basis, then they're going to have to find someone else to fill those roles in the bottom six. All right, we also have Cam on the open line. Cam, how are you doing tonight? Cam? Hello? Yeah, go ahead, Cam. Oh, hi. Uh... Just want to talk about uh, the officiating. What do you guys think is the problem this year? Because it's been rather noticeable this year as compared to other years. Uh, honestly, I 
<laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I think there's some games the refs have good games or some games the refs have bad games. What I have noticed is when a team is on the losing side, as the others have been uh, for the majority of the games this year, you seem to see more mistakes by the referees simply because you're mad <laughs> that the team is losing. When your team's winning, you don't seem to notice those mistakes that referees make. Refs are always going to make mistakes. Everything is subjective. If if you were to watch a game tonight with an Anaheim, uh, or actually if you were to watch the game tonight with someone who is a fan of the Calgary Flames or a fan of the St. Louis Blues, they would not see the refereeing in the same light because they've got nothing on it for them. When you're a fan of the Oilers, you're going to see every penalty that you think should or shouldn't be called because you're cheering for that team. And in games that are close, you're always going to look back at a call that should have been made or shouldn't have been made. Whereas if the game was a 5-1 game for either team, you wouldn't notice it as much. I don't think the referees are any better or any worse than they normally are. I think that a good game, you don't notice the refs. That means they did a good job. Tonight you noticed them because there were mistakes made. All right, I believe now we have tonight's winning goaltender. Here is Anaheim's John Gibson. You felt like you guys were a lot sharper, or what? Well, how would you describe? Yeah, we felt good. I mean, I think we played a good game. I mean, we knew they were a good team coming home. They were going to have a pretty big push, and they did. But did a pretty good job of shutting them down. I thought. You seemed very sharp in net. How did you feel? Yeah, I felt good. I was, thought I was seeing the puck pretty good. And when there was rebounds or anything there, they'd uh, help me out and clear it away. Playoffs are ahead, but Chirelli's watching you. There's a World Cup coming up in the youth team. Do you think about that? No. Not right now. I kind of like the way you guys are playing, though. At the end of a long road trip, it's kind of a gut check time for you guys. Yeah, I mean, I think we just kind of want to carry off from last game, and I think it's just more about playing the right way now, not only just for the end of the trip, but heading into the playoffs. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right, short and sweet from John Gibson, who makes 27 saves tonight. His Ducks beat the Oilers 2-1. Got a tweet here from Mike. Question for Rob. What's it like to have a player like Maroon come in and open your eyes to bad habits and things like that? I think it's great. I, I really do. It's it's like when you're uh, in a management team of an organization, you've been there for years, and all of a sudden you bring an outsider, and he's, he's like, okay, I'm going to show you what I see from through my eyes. Because sometimes you're blinded, because you, you these are all your guys. And the same thing in a dressing room. You may think you're doing the right things. You may think you're giving the right effort. Uh, but when someone from the outside comes in, especially someone from a winning organization, and says, you know what, no, this isn't good enough. No, we have to raise the bar. The bar we, you guys have had, it, it, it's too easy to step over. And I think it's very important that the others have found a player like that. If you ever see, and, and it's, this has gone on for, for years, whenever a team wins a championship, everybody starts wanting to pluck those players off that team. And a lot of those players are third-line guys, fourth-line guys, fifth, sixth, seventh defensemen. But because they've been around a winning organization and they know how the things are supposed to be done, they know how not to cheat, how to practice, how to do off, uh, things off ice, they want those players on their team because they want a winning culture and they want guys from winning cultures. I think what Patrick Maroon has done on the ice has been great, but I think he's probably just as important in the dressing room. The way he talks and stands up and says, we got to be accountable. I think that's something that this organization and this team needed. All right, the Oilers lose 2-1 to the Ducks. Now they don't play again until Saturday. We'll have that game for you on 6.30. Chad, last ever meeting at Rexall Place between the Oilers and the Flames, 6.30 for the face-off show. The puck will drop at 8. Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I will have inside sports from 6 to 9. Rob, have a great night. Uh, uh, you too. I will see you uh, only, what, three left now? Three, three left. games left, two here, one away. Yeah. Well, we're together for all of them. 
So I can hardly quite nice. The studio producer this evening, Kellen Kennedy, the executive producer of Oilers Hockey on 630 Jet, is Sid Smith. You can get more on this game and your favorite hockey team on the Oilers page on 630jet.com. Terry Peranich, overtime open line, has come to you from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. My name is Reed Wilkins. Ducks beat the Oilers 2-1. Thank you for listening.